Hello everyone, this is Alice and this is Protect Your Glow, the podcast. Today's title is going to be Stop Being a People Pleaser. Stop Being a People Pleaser. So yes, after a long hiatus from the podcast, I am back with another episode. This is the first installment on a new series that I'll be walking you through this season. This is the self-love laws. On my time off from recording, I took some time to think about this podcast and the message I want to bring to the world with this form of communication. After a long, after a lot of going back and forth with myself and looking through a a few of my podcast titles, I've summarized that self-love stands out above the rest. I will teach you how to stop feeling sorry for yourself, stop living less than God's best for your life, and how to stop going back in the past to get what you thought you needed for the future. I've been on this journey of healing from trauma for over 10 years, and God has kept me alive this long when I didn't want to be, so that I can pull back and help someone else. Nothing just happens, right? Nothing just happens. Your life, the experiences, the traumas, the trials that we go through, they're never in vain. God will use those things to build something out of you. Listen, if I and or you don't love ourselves enough to take care of us mentally and physically, to pour into yourself, to lift your own spirit up, and not wait for someone else to do it. Then we are going to fall short of the responsibilities and roles God has entrusted us with every single time. What better way to start off fresh than by reinforcing to you the steps I took to get here that has helped me heal from some of my own traumas. Before we begin, If you have not subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do that now. Hit that subscribe button. I don't want you to miss out on every time I post a new video or a new episode. I don't want you to miss out on that. So if you have not already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now. You see, my goal for this podcast is to add value to the lives of as many people as possible. And I can't do that without your help. Now, what does people-pleasing even mean? I did some research and found out that according to WebMD, it defines a people-pleaser as typically someone everyone considers helpful and kind. Merriam-Webster describes it as a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or own needs or desires. In other words, is the underlying urge to put others' needs or wants before yours. Is that you today? Can you relate to that? Listen, your girl is recovering from people-pleaser, okay? I am a recovering people-pleaser. And that's why I wanted to bring this subject up today because I'm like, I can't be the only woman on planet Earth that had this issue, right? But with the help of God, my therapist, my kids, and my husband, they've really helped me in the evolution of me. 
They take time to help me see the real me so that I can improve. Usually with a few kicking and screaming and giving up on my ego, I aim for the path of better. Let me tell you a story. One day when my kids were much younger, probably about five and seven, I found myself burned out. While driving home from work at the time and rushing to pick them up from the sitter, I found myself exhausted from the daily rut of life. While I sat in the thick of the five o'clock rush hour, my mind began planning what I need to do when I reached the front door. I gotta cook dinner, get the kids fed, bath, and bed by 8.30, pick out their clothes for the next morning. Parents, you know the drill. This is what we do, right? Um, as parents. And all this had to be done within a two hour window since we usually didn't make it home at that time by 6 p.m. So thank God my husband was there to partner with me in getting some of these things done. Still, that didn't alleviate the anxiety and the stress I felt for the tomorrow I was preparing for today. On top of that, we still had errands to run, work obligations and meetings, events to attend because I didn't know how to say no at the time. And my world became a ticking time bomb. Due to the pressure of life, there were days where I did not know how I made it through. Alice, what's, what's the point? Here's my point. I woke up one day after taking a shower, right? So I walked up, I walked over to the bathroom mirror to comb my hair like I always do every morning. When it's not in a protective braiding style. And then a good chunk of hair began to clog up on the comb. I prayed to God that it wasn't the scary C word, cancer. At that age, I was maybe about in my early 30s, right? It never occurred to me that extreme stress can contribute to hair loss. Now, there is a word for that. The scientific word for stress causing hair loss is called telogen effluvium. I might have said that wrong, but that's how I see it. According to Forbes.com, in an article titled, How Extreme Stress Can Cause Hair Loss, the writer states that it is an abrupt onset of hair loss. It's an automatic onset of hair loss, right? The hair usually doesn't begin, the hair loss usually doesn't begin until about three months after you see it. Why? Once the hair follicles prematurely enter the telogen phase, it takes three months for the cycle to complete and for the hair to shed. Now, wait a minute. You mean to tell me my sudden hair loss at that time was due to months and months of silent stress? Yes, silent stress. You see, we strong women incorporated, quote unquote, have a quiet and subtle way of dealing with pain problems in life without, with our mouth shuts. We don't like to let others, we don't like to let or show others that we are sewing over our heads that we're slowly going down an abyss of depression, our pride, societal expectations, and cultural upbringing won't allow us to reach out for the slightest bit of help. Somehow we've convinced ourselves that it will show weakness. Wrong. You and I both know that. Asking for help is actually strength. Strength and freedom in knowing that our human capabilities does indeed have limits. 
all of us are just winging it if we're honest. Deep down inside, we don't know what we think we know and try too hard not to let others down at the expense of our own health and detriment. Now, here's four signs that you, my friend, are a people pleaser. Number one, you don't know how to say no. Yes, you don't know how to say no. This one was tough for me to break as a recovering people pleaser. As a child of immigrants, Haitian immigrants, with my parents coming to a foreign land and not speaking much English, I was tasked with being the family translator slash secretary, translating documents from English to Haitian Creole, going with my parents to doctor's offices as the translator, negotiating deals as small as thrift store bargains and furniture shopping. It was always me. So in many ways, I grew up with the mentality of always trying to fix things or being readily available to say yes or no, no matter how small the request, because I feared letting anyone down. Number two, you support things in places you don't like. When was the last time someone invited you to an event or an outing and you respectfully declined? Or do you like to just fill up your calendar with things to do to keep us busy? Notice I said respectfully, right? Decline. You can go about this two ways. Number one, you can say yes and not show up, but uh, that would be rude. Or number two, you can send a quick text message or an email or a call and say, hey, thank you for thinking of me but I'm going to have to respectfully decline. That's what I've been using. It's been working for me. Notice, I didn't give a reason. Because you don't have to. We are conditioned to over-explain ourselves time and time again. I found out that in some situations, the other party does not even require the explanation. It's something we do to make ourselves feel like a decent human being. Number three, you need others to like you. Boy, boy. I wish I had a dollar for every time I used to feel this way. The girl would have been so rich by now. Some of you want others to like you and you don't even like yourself. I said, some of you want others to like you and you don't even like you. So tell me this, if you think you're damaged goods, why would God send you more relationships to damage? I said, if you think you are of no good use to yourself, why would the good Lord send you more people to damage? If you notice when you're on an airplane, right? When they're given safety instructions, the first thing they do is they tell you to, if anything were to happen, to put the mask 
on yourself first before you try to assist or save somebody else's life. You, do you know why that is? Do you know why they tell you that? Because if you can't help you, guess what? You cannot help nobody else. Come on, somebody. So, once again, why do we need others to like us? Well, there's a reason for that. We need that because as human beings, we're not created to be alone, right? We need community. However, I always tell my children, aim to be respected and not liked. See, that's where it gets real tricky. Some of you think that because someone likes you, that means they respect you. Or you think because they respect you, that means they like you. Life is conditional and based on mood swings or the kind of day somebody's having, right? I like you if my day is going good. I like you if everything went right today. I like you if my kids don't drive me up, up a wall. I like you if my husband don't stop, uh, stops getting on my nerves. I like you if my house is clean. I would like you if I checked everything off my to-do list. It's conditional. It's based on a feeling. But let me tell you something, respect, boy, boy, respect. It means even if I don't like you, I know if you are a woman or a man that thrives in excellence, that's what I'm going to get 100% of the time from you is excellence. And one thing about being excellent is it cannot be faked. You either are an excellent person or you're not. You either got it or you don't. Being excellent when that is something that you value, it's non-negotiable. It's in the way you talk. It's in the way you walk. It's the pep in your step. It's the way you move the way you handle your business. It's the God-given confidence in who you are. Let me tell you something. Listen. Are y'all listening? Listen. Excellence is so amazing that it defends you in your absence. Let me say that again. Excellence, being an excellent person in whatever it is that you choose to do, when you are not around, it defends you in your absence. Mm. So quit seeking validation of others to help you determine your own self-worth. Work on liking you first. Then everything else will fall in line. What's number four? You struggle with being real and authentic. That's point number four for my note takers. You struggle with being real and authentic. A lot of people always talking about keeping it real or keeping it 100. Whereas in reality, they refuse to keep it real with themselves. If you struggle to be yourself around friends, um, I think it's time for you to get some new friends. If you struggle to be yourself around family, 
Well, you can't get new family members. You were born into it. But you do have the ability to manage how you deal with them so that you can live a life of growth and peace. Because you know what? You deserve to be happy. It's not only your job to try to make other people happy. You deserve to be happy as well. Because I find out for me, when I'm in my sacred space, when everything around me is organized, when I get my mind together, when I sit down and do the work, I am of much better help to other people. But when I am a wreck, when I can't think, when I'm stressed out, I'm no good to nobody. So analyze whether the relationships you have, if they feed you or do they starve you of your fullest potential. In an era of likes, views, and subscriber obsession, which by the way, I'm not against, what I am against is when someone makes it, when someone allows that to define them. It's dangerous when we as a people let these things define who God created us to be. Some of your favorites put on a facade like their life is filled with some serious FOMO. And a few videos or posts later, you hear about them battling insecurities and or depression or they take themselves out because the true self was living incognito. So here's what I learned the hard way, or what I had to learn the hard way. What people think of you is none of your business. What people think of you is none of your business. What people think of you is none of your business. It matters what God and what you think about yourself. It doesn't mean you're not open to constructive criticism. It doesn't mean you're not going to try to be better. But if you are living for the approval of others, you will die by their rejection every single time. So in a world of counterfeits, aim to be the real an original version. Stop trying to be the great value version of someone or something else. You can't fake real. You can't fake original. And there's only one real and there's only one original. So aim to be as original as possible. Stop people pleasing y'all and stop stressing out. There is nothing wrong with lending out a helping hand, right? But when you find yourself in a continuous cycle of pleasing people while you remain unhappy, that is unhealthy and it would benefit you to find out the root cause of that. Because nine times out of 10, the reason why some people can't get over people pleasing, it has to be, it's possibly an identity crisis, it's a fear of rejection, or them not wanting to be seen as too much. I don't want to think that I think I'm all that. No, you, you need to think that you are all that because of God. Like you're not going to be walking around like nobody can't talk to you. You're not going to be walking around like you're God's gift to planet earth, but you need to esteem yourself. You need to find value in you if you want other people to find value in you. Does that make sense? And also another reason why some people are addicted to, um, people pleasing is because they're not setting clear boundaries, right? They're not telling you, 
Like this is a line in the sand that I have drawn and that you can't cross. I set boundaries all the time with my children, with my husband, with work, with my family. Like I love y'all, but this right here, we, this is what we're not going to do. This is what we're not going to do. And I expect the same from them, you know? So I want to leave you with one of my favorite quotes. It's from Dr. Wayne Dyer, who I listen to a lot, especially in the mornings. He says, my goal is not to be better than anyone else, but to be better than I used to be. My goal is not to be better than anyone else, but to be better than I used to be. Hmm. That's real. So in closing, if you found that this episode is or has added value to your life, I simply ask that you share it with someone. Send them a text. Send them an email. However, you got to get it to them. Share this with someone that you know will need these, these tips that I've given you today. So I hope you receive something from this message today. If not, I'll try again next week. Take care and God bless.